If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that I work at Insight and that Insight does outsourced IT support. And you've probably also heard me say on some occasion that Insight is one of the more expensive operators in the market. And that that's because our clients need this stuff to work and they depend on us to make it happen and it's a fair price to them. But it doesn't answer the question why or what is a fair price. And that's what the topic is today. And we're going to get into some more detail around what exactly is a fair price for outsourced IT right now. Welcome to the Jason Claus Show. I'm Jason Claus, your host. My experience is the best leaders out there, they are idea collectors. They're always on the lookout for great ways to get more out of their team, to help them accomplish more with less, to build culture. And that's what this show is about. It's about trying to find those ideas and share those ideas with a growing community of Bay Area leaders. We've got a great show for you today, and we'll get into it right after this. frustrated with their IT support for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes they say things like, you know, I feel like I just have to pay for the same repairs over and over again. Or maybe it's, I feel like every couple of weeks I'm getting a new person in my office and I have to retrain this expert on all things me. And it's just really a waste of time and very frustrating. Or maybe it's, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of advice or or proactive guidance from my current provider. And and it makes me feel like I have to do all the thinking. It just seems like that should be something that my current provider is responsible for. If that's you and that resonates with you, any of those statements, I want to start by saying I'm sorry that that's the experience that you're having right now. Unfortunately, it might be worse than even what you think because most of those are just symptoms of a deeper root cause issue that is pretty concerning. And I did a little mini podcast episode on the topic. If you'd like to hear more about that and what you can do about it, why don't you head on over to www.jasonclaws.com forward slash root cause. All right, welcome back from the break. So today we're going to be talking about what is a fair IT support services price. And that's as good as any title for a topic. So that will make that the topic for for today too. And before we get into sort of the, the alchemy of a price, let's just start at the beginning. I talk to people at great length in great numbers every week. And of all the people that I talk to when they invite me in to talk about IT support services and and what things cost, no one ever wants to pay a penny more than they have to for something like this. And I don't blame them. There's nothing glitzy about the support function that goes around making your computer systems work. And it, it's it's like like if you were building a home this is the this is the base it's not even the basement it's the waterproofing in the basement but in that same fashion it's just vital to making things work also in those conversations 
something that comes up is that it's very, very rare that I talk to somebody that says they feel like they've, they're getting a good quality experience for what they're spending. There's always gaps that they're concerned about. And so when you put those two things together, the, the, the core message that I want to lead off here with is that if you get nothing else from this episode, what you're spending on this function directly impacts the experience that you're going to have with your technology. And then also, and this is more important now than ever in the work from home COVID world, what you're spending directly impacts the kind of risks you're taking on board from a cybersecurity perspective, from a, a from a, 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 a hardened safety perspective, from a predictability perspective. And those are things that you need to consider when you're trying to figure out exactly what is the, the fair price. Now, my industry has not made this easy for you because there's vast variations in the, the, the type of support service delivery model. And, and, and so to, to just kind of give you some sense on one end of the scale, you have, um, all inclusive plans that, that for one fixed fee, you get unlimited access for help and you get to assign somebody to help to be like your, your chief information officer or IT director. You, you get cybersecurity and all the, like, like everything is included, even in some of them, even the, 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 the variable, uh, upgrade projects are, are included as part of the fixed fee. And then on the other side of the equation, you have uh, nothing's included and it's uh, an hourly bill rate and you just call somebody for help when you need, uh, when, when, when things break. And it's a, it's, it's a pretty vast spectrum to be trying to figure out what the, what the best approach is for somebody. And I think a lot of times people get wrapped, wrapped around the axle on that. The, the the truth is that kind of regardless of 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 what service delivery is, companies that are really leveraging technology to 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 to, to gain some kind of advantage in the marketplace, and this is big companies and and small companies alike, they're investing in it, and most of them are investing somewhere between three to six percent of revenue. They 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 have a a bucket for it and they they plan for it and they expect to have to make investments in technology annually at something in that scale between three and six percent. Another way to look at it if if you don't budget that way, companies that are really getting leverage th- per month they're expecting to spend somewhere between 200 and 300 dollars per month per employee to have that function looked after for them. That's what it costs kind of regardless of how the, 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 the service option is priced and, and, and how much of it is, is um, going to be paid for on an hourly basis and how much of it is included. And it's deceptive. It's very deceptive from the, from, from the leader's perspective, from the, from the person trying to evaluate this, because these less inclusive plans, they can really look like they're a better deal. But there's some things under the cover that, that make it a little bit mer- less, you know, it, it's a little less clear because particularly with these lo- lo- uh, less, uh, less inclusive plans, you're paying retail rates for hourly work. That's highly variable that you're not planning for. 
And some of it's going to be at the, the, the standard rate. Some of it will be at emergency rates because it's, it's something broke um, that probably shouldn't have if it had been looked after. Um, and, and, and so you have this, this sort of um, this lumpiness to your, your IT spending. That you have to that you have to account for, and it can get expensive very quickly. The other thing is is that kind of instinctively, folks that gravitate towards a plan that that has less included in it, they tend to start deferring work um, and, and calling their help desk less often because there's there's a disincentive to call. You have to pay by the drink when you call for help, and so you don't call for help, and so those problems fester and turn into bigger problems. And you don't do projects that, that could actually help reduce noise in the environment. And that tends to mount. And, and you just have these mounting, cascading problems. And, you're, and, and what ends up happening is, is that you create this sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul event. And eventually, you have to pay Paul. And usually, it's at the worst possible time. You have to pay when it, it's an emergency and you didn't plan for it. And it just gets really expensive at that point. And so these are things to consider um, when you're when you're looking into the the price of one of these service offerings. That if you're really trying to leverage your technology, and honestly, most of us are, and the, there's a there's a spending level that 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 one needs to be comfortable with to truly get the leverage that technology has promised um, to the organization. But what about the providers that? And this happens often. There's a provider that will put forward a more inclusive offering at a discounted price, something less than that 200 per user per month. Um, that should be scrutinized because if it were possible to do it that way, more companies that can deliver a quality result and have good references and are, and are, and are well respected in the industry, they would know how to do that. Now, I think as we examine the different cost levers and the, the, the different buckets that kind of make up a price, my, my hope is that you'll be able to ask some questions and, 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 and start to understand why something is, if it's, if it's known to be delivering a higher quality experience, there's a reason why. It is. And, and a lot of times it's going to point back to that original point that I tried to make or I'm attempting to make that, that what you spend is directly related to the experience and the, and the, the, the types of risks that you're taking on board. So, so these buckets that you need to look at, there's, there's really only three of them. The first bucket is the cost of talent, right? How much are you paying uh, the people, the, 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 the practitioners that do the work? How much are you paying them? The second one is how much leverage are you attaining with that team with your process and your tools and your automation? And then the final cost bucket is how much risk are you passing back to the client, whether the client knows about it or not? And it's kind of in those three big buckets that you can kind of get a determination as to how the, how the price that's being pre presented, how that price is being put together. So I want to examine each one of these in turn and, and, and just, just give you my take on, on each of them. So the first one, let's talk about the cost of talent. Now, this is going to be a really difficult one for a company to gain any kind of price advantage on. And so if, if, if that's something that's put forward, um, 
the thing you need to hear is that the market sets the price for talent. Google and Twitter and Facebook, they set the price for technical talent. And then the rest of us have to play, have to play ball there unless we can establish some sort of competitive advantage in the way that we recruit and retain talent. And I, that's something that can be done. But if a provider is saying that they can do that, then they need to be able to prove that they've got the process and the tools and they have funded a, an organization that's dedicated to, to delivering that kind of advantage. And if they can't demonstrate that, then they aren't able to truly create any kind of, of, of pricing advantage here with the cost of their talent. Unfortunately, more likely what's happening, if you look under the hood here, what you'll find is, is that, is that companies that are, that, that talk about talent, um, they're hiring unqualified labor and presenting them as the, as the higher skilled labor, right? And, and it's a, and this is, there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with this. So don't hear that, but. Companies are often, you, you, you know, you hire somebody, you give them a chance, you throw them in the deep end of the pool and they sink or swim. That works sometimes, but it, it only works with like your out, your, your outliers. Like far more often that worker will fail. And the result to you, the client is going to be recurring problems. Like this comes up often. Why can't these guys get this thing fixed? It's, it's like four times they've been out here to work on it. Or the other problem is churn. Right. These employees fail and they burn out and then they leave and go get another job someplace else. And the end result to you, the client, is this feeling that you have a revolving door of technicians coming through the coming through the door that you constantly have to retrain on all things you so that they can then deliver recurring problems and eventually move on. And it's kind of this, it's just this vicious downward spiral that, that, that the typical approach to labor in my industry creates. And so this is something to dig into and, and, and ask questions around when you're presented with a lower price. The other point that I want to make here is that offshoring. So, so, um, maybe taking your, your, your help desk, for example, and offshoring that to India or the Philippines. That's been around for a really long time. And if that really worked, everybody would be doing it. And I don't know a single credible operator in our market that does this. And the reason is because it doesn't work. The, the fact is, is that one, when you do that, you're giving up complete control over service quality. You also don't really have the visibility into the metrics that you need to be able to gain any kind of leverage, which I'll talk about in a minute. And, and finally, there, there are cultural barriers there and, and not so much a language barrier as much as a context barrier that creates a bad experience. And so if, if you're talking to a provider that, that, that says, well, we, you know, one of the ways that we're able to do this is by, is by, um, outsourcing it to somebody else, that should not give you comfort that unless they can prove that there's some sort of, I don't know, enhancement or innovation that I'm not aware of that I haven't seen. And, and, and if, if something like that really worked, I would hear about it. Um, it's just not there. So the next bucket then would be the leverage that you get from implementing good process, using good tools, and then building automation on top of those tools. And, and this, is, this is very much a way that a firm can gain a price advantage. But part of what you need to really dig into, if, if, if this is the area that, that, that is making up that lower price, 
There's, you need to know how many people in the organization are dedicated just to process improvement, automation tools, the one-to-many work, the systems administration work. If, if there aren't enough people in the organization, and, and most of the companies that are going to put forward a, a, a lower price, they don't have anybody dedicated to this. They, they don't have a department dedicated to this. This is just something that's supposed to happen. And, and I got to tell you that that's, a, that's a recipe for it not getting done. So, the question is, who's dedicated to this and how many people in the organization do just process tools, automation? And also, the provider should have some examples, specific examples and stories about how this team has been able to uncover little problems and intervene and solve those problems that helped everybody in their organization, helped every, all of their clients. And in addition to that, they should have real data. Like what are they tracking to demonstrate that this, that this organization, this part of their, of their, of their company is actually really delivering value to the client in the form of, 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 of something. Uh, a great example would be, is this team, um, contributing to a downward trend in the number of times your people are calling for help? Is that being measured? That, that, that would be, that would be a great place to start with this. What's far more likely if this isn't being done, and more often than not, this type of work isn't being done because you have to have a certain level of scale to be able to dedicate the people to it. These aren't ex inexpensive resources that would that can do this. And if you're having a hard time with the first piece of it, hiring good talent, you're you're really just trying to hire talent to put fires out. You have no time for 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 good process. And so what tends to happen here is only the the only automation that's being done is the is the bare minimum automation so for example patch management is really just um every couple of weeks somebody just blows out patches to all of the machines and and that can break as much as it fixes so that's not really meeting the bill it's actually not it doesn't really deliver any kind of 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 pricing advantage the final bucket, and this is the one that is really, really hard to get at, but it, and it's also the one that, that represents the greatest challenge, I think, and, and the thing that should give you pause when you're look when you see a lower um, dollar amount for an, for, from a, from a provider. It's the risk that the provider is passing back to you, the client, whether you know about it or not. And so here are just some some examples: cybersecurity. It's a buzzword and everybody's like, are you cyber secure? And everyone will say, yes, yes, yes. But, but you need to dig into that because it, it while cybersecurity is a buzzword and there's some cool things being bantered about in the, in the world, you know, it, it, I, uh, artificially and artificial intelligence enabled cybersecurity, um, penetration testing, like all these words, right? Those are all very important things, but there's also a lot of non glitzy work that just needs to be done. Like, for example, patch management, um, documentation, change control. Like, there, it's, it's a lot of administrative stuff that, that, that if the provider can do that really well, then they've got a hope of keeping you safe from a cybersecurity perspective. But if you aren't able to, to, to get any real insight into the, into the, the, the process and the automation and the, uh, you know, the, the previous bucket that I was talking about, if you can't be satisfied there, there is no way that they're able to do the things that are required to keep you cyber safe. And that represents a massive risk that gets passed back to you. Other ones, there's ones related to the business. Companies in my industry, they, begin, they go in and out of business all the time. 
Sometimes they sell to someone else. Sometimes they just close their doors. There's a, there's a massive service delivery um, issue and the owner just decides to get out of it, get out of it. There's, there's a risk of, um, as it relates back to people of, of, of system failure, rework, downtime. Um, and, and then there, the, the, of course, like I was talking about it earlier, but you're, you, there, there's the risk of having really lumpy, really expensive project work that's got to be done in an emergency under duress with a lot of downtime attached to it. And, and that can be highly, very costly. And then the last, there's more, but the, the last one that I'll share with you is that a lot of times these, the, the, the reason you're seeing a lower price from this provider is because the provider is pricing it to try to grow. And that means that they're probably pretty small, which means that there's probably kind of like, like their whole business is kind of centralized around two or three key employees. And if one of those key employees leaves, the end result tends to be some sort of cascading service quality failure that just, and it just rips through the, through, through that provider's client base and creates a really awful experience. A lot of times when I have conversations with people is because this has been, they've been, um, uh, this has been the, the outcome that they've had to wrestle with and they'll start looking at other options that, that, that can, that can offer a better, a, a better experience for them. So broadly speaking, those are the big buckets and hopefully some of the detail that I've shared there can, can, can give you some, some, some insight to ask some questions of a low cost provider to try to understand, do they have, are they, are they capable of actually delivering the experience that you want for the price that they're stating? And the honest answer is it's very rare that the, that if someone really looks into that, that there's real cost savings to be had by going with the current provider. But here's some questions that I hope you'll ask yourself to kind of figure out if, where, where you fall into, into that. The, the first one is, you know, in your own mind, how reliant are you on your technology? The, the chances are that you're talking to providers right now because you're, you, you recognize that there's a, you do have reliance on it. And, the, the next question that to maybe ask yourself is what's the real impact of it not doing what it's supposed to do? One place to look that I think is really helpful for a lot of, of, of clients that I've, I've talked to in the past is what, you know, how is the investment that you make in your payroll? You know, that, that big, big bucket that you, that, that you, you know, that big check that you write every month for payroll. How is that impacted when, when the tech fails to deliver? Right. And then when you look at what you're spending on technology and you've got different proposals in front of you, if one of them is more expensive than some of the others, it, it, it certainly looks inexpensive, but, or expensive, but it, does it, does it only look expensive relative to these other options? And if it's the only one that can really impact the investments you're making in payroll, right? If you've got this big bucket that, that even if you could could move the needle slightly with really good IT, isn't that worth paying a little bit more? Because that big bucket is just if 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 the if the the, the technology doesn't work for a day and your that team can't work, that's so much more expensive than the difference between the different contracts and the different options. And so, looking at it that way, kind of help and and. 
you know, the software industry kind of ruined the whole idea of total cost of ownership. I don't want to use that, but, but that's kind of the direction that that's, that's what I want you to, that's the, 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 the way to, that's really the way to evaluate this. I think what, what are the real costs of it not doing what it's supposed to do and compare that to the, to the incremental cost of, of getting the experience that, or, you know, working with a provider that, that has a better chance of delivering a better experience. So I, I hope that, that the information that I'm sharing here is, is useful and helpful. Um, if you have more questions about it, by all means, feel free to, feel free to reach out to me. The, you can hit me up on LinkedIn or um, my contact details are, are, are at the bottom of the website that hosts the podcast. The, the other thing, if you, if you want to dig a little bit deeper into risk, I think that the, 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 the biggest risk of all is the risk of talent and people and finding good people and keeping good people. That's that that seems to be one of the one of the biggest challenges for companies in in my industry. And and I did a little mini podcast that kind of digs deeper into the topic and, and gives a little more detail on it. And if you'd like to look if you'd like to listen to that, it's I think it's under two minutes long. Um, um, you can you can find it at www.jasonclaws.com forward slash root cause. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I hope you found the episode useful and you enjoyed it. If you like what you're hearing and you want to subscribe, by all means, wherever you get your podcasts, we're available. Also, you can sign up with your email and get a notification every time I post a new episode. Feel free to share this with others. And if you really like the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I'd be grateful for that. Until next time, I hope that my good friend Jesus blesses you with peace in your heart, wisdom in your spirit, and a lot of laughter in your belly. You take care now.